Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, super excited for my guest today, drafted by the New York Mets a few years back, one of the co-founders of More Than Baseball. Um, I, I've had uh, Simon Rosenblum Larson on. I have you on, and I actually have Slade reached out and said he will come on. So I'm gonna have the trifecta of more than league baseball co-founders. Uh, how's your day going, man? It's good, man. Thanks. It's uh, you know I, I think after after you have Slade on, I think um, you should get all three of us on at the same time. Dude, that would be electric. Just we've have... never done that. We've never done that before. So I think it'll be a good time. Yeah, and I definitely would love to have that on. Like all three of you have different perspectives. Uh, obviously, Simon's still in in baseball. Um, you two are out of baseball, but still heavily involved. Um, so let's just jump right into like your backstory. Like, how did you get into baseball? Um, and like, at what age did you realize like this may be something I can actually make a career potentially out of? Thanks. I mean, you you want to play professional baseball, but you always there's always like this little piece behind you that goes you know am I good enough am I am I gonna be seen uh you know there's guys who are better than me there's always this like sliver of doubt um and so I grew up in I grew up in Phoenix Arizona and I went to a a high school that had a lot of very prominent major leaguers come out of there and the person who hit ahead of me got drafted in the second round and I didn't have any looks to go to any college and so he's just like, okay, like, I'll just go play division three. Like, we'll see what that's about. And I was lucky enough to go to Trinity university um, in San Antonio. And they told me when I was getting recruited, like, you're going to play every game and you're going to, we're going to win the national championship your senior year. And I was like, sign me up. Yes. I want to play professional baseball, but uh, you know, I, you, you have to just play the best players I ever played with in high school went to Arizona state and university of Arizona and never got on the field. And I got to play a hundred and, you know, 90 games or whatever it might be in, in a college career. And so everything else after that was, was a plus. And so um, I always wanted to play professional baseball and had the opportunity to, to do a try with the New York Mets after the national championship in 2016. Um, was on like two hours of sleep. Uh, it was the most humid I've ever been in. It was, I was just, it was just very sweaty. Right. And I just said, screw it. Like it's my, potentially my last time on a baseball field and um i flew home to, to phoenix after that and uh luckily i got drafted in the 31st round and did that for two years got injured got released uh, about six months later uh, i started more than baseball because i was just so angry at, at why all of these issues were happening to minor leaguers there's no there's no rhyme or reason why and a lot of your audience will be educated on this and, and we'll dive into it more but there's no reason other than Major League Baseball just doesn't have to treat players better that they don't. So throughout my entire career, it was, wait, you're not going to help me get equipment. You're not going to help me get food. You're not going to help me with housing, all of these issues. And then I got released before I could walk in after a back surgery. And I'm like, okay, we have to, I need a lawyer. Yeah. Well, I'm like, so other players need a lawyer too. So what can we build? What community can we build to support players? And so that was the impetus for, for more than baseball too. And you grew up in Arizona, right? Is that I did, yeah. How was the baseball scene there? Because obviously your your high school was stacked. Like, you had talent there. Yeah. I went to Chaparral High School, and in my district was Desert Mountain, 
Saguaro, Brophy. Uh, and then in the like the other district, like across town was Desert Vista, Mountain Shadows, Mountain View. Um, where did Cody Bellinger go? Centennial, I think, something like that. Like just studs, man. Like Arizona has great baseball players. We play year round. And so everyone's just really good and getting better. Um, I would stack up the big leaguers that have come out of Arizona to anywhere else in the country. Yeah, for sure. And in my class were a lot of really good baseball players. And I was lucky to have performed well, but my God, like the scout team, the angel scout team, like I was on team C. <laughs> Maybe that's just where I was in high yeah. school, but there were really good players on A and B. Yeah. And like I, I've had guys on here who who live in the Midwest where they can only play five or six months. Like I had one guy, their baseball season snow is on the ground. Like when their season starts, and like yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it's that's just how it is here in the Midwest. Um, I've had guys like California is another Florida, California, Arizona. Like these places just produce talent uh, because it's <clears throat> um, nice weather like all the time. Uh, so it's incredible. Did you do any other sports? Cause like I said, like I know I've talked to guys who do basketball most of the time because they're in the Midwest and like they it's indoors, but did you do other sports or was baseball always like, that was your thing? I played football my freshman year of high school. And then my grandmother was like, Jews don't play football. I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, I will absolutely go play baseball and hang out with my friends. This is games. your grandma who said this famously. Yeah. And famously, <laughs> At my high school, you're only allowed to play one sport. Okay. People were, unless you were like the star, got to play two sports, but very like, very structured at my, at my school. Like you play basketball or you play football or you play, you play baseball. Mm -hmm. Would you say your school was more, more a baseball school though, than, than football or high or basketball? <sighs> my girlfriend's in the other room. So every time I talk about <laughs> what happened in high school, she's like, oh my God, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, we won three straight state championships in high school in football, but then we won two straight state championships in baseball. And so there is a bit of a, a rivalry among the, the, that class as to why and who yeah. and, and everything. So no worries. Still, uh, 10 years later, it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And like you said, he did win that that championship. Um, or you won state, right? Is that what you said in, in high school? We won state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, three straight, my sophomore, junior, senior year in football, and then my and in my freshman year, also, like Taylor Lewan was on that team. He plays for the, the Titans now. We actually lost to Saguaro. So we would have won four. We just got crushed, too. Um, for those listening, go look up the 2009 <laughs> Arizona State Championship. And, you know, Spencer Stone gets hurt in the first quarter. Um, and then Alex Holmes coming. Oh, my God, I can't believe I remember this. And then uh, we won my junior and senior year. We won the baseball championship, which was Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you ended up going D3. Um, were there any other colleges or universities that you were maybe like, like, interested in or maybe had other, like offers? Yeah, like, uh, uh, or did you even consider Utah, like JUCO? Because I know like that's obviously another route to go to. University of Utah called like the last day of signing day for division one whatever whatever that that, that yeah. rule was back then uh, they called and were like we want you to walk on and i was like yeah like, no, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm okay like i have other things to to do i had applied for a couple of schools just not thinking that i would ever play baseball in college because nobody was interested 
It was just crazy because I did well my senior year. Yeah, I mean, I've seen your stats. Yeah, you're goddamn right you saw my stats. (laughs) Man, no, I'm just kidding. So um, we, it's just, you know, like Division Three school called, they saw me in the fall classic. My, uh, this was like October of my senior year. And they're like, you know, you you fit our program. You fit what we're looking for. We want you to play. We want you to play right away. We just called your best friend, Austin Singer. He's going to come with us. We just called Connor Moore and Nick Jewett and Drew Butler and Ryan Gray and all these guys from Arizona that you played with or against. And um, we're going to, they're going to come join us. And I was like, okay, like this is the one school that wants me. I tell these kids now, like kids that I talk to and work with, like you need to go where they want you. Doesn't matter anything else. Like that coach wants you, like he's going to make sure that he does right by you. And uh, they wanted me, and and I was lucky enough to to get on the field, and uh, the rest is the rest is history at that point. If you would ask me, like Jeremy, if you go back, would you do better? Or I would do so much worse. I was just so was lo- so locked in uh, for four years playing, and we had the best we had the best core. I you know when we won this, the national championship, our entire starting rotation and our entire starting lineup were all seniors. And the year before, we had all played pretty pretty much all juniors in the starting lineup one senior at the time in the starting rotation and we were in the national championship that year we lost in the semifinals um so we were a great group we all lived together we all had fun we still talk every day it's one of our one of our my teammates an outfielder with me Andrew Waters is now the hitting coach of Trinity and they're the super regionals right now so it's yeah it's cool to, to still be connected to it yeah, for sure. Um, what is maybe what are some lessons that you or at least one, maybe one lesson that you learned while in, you know, a D3 school, even that you're still having a career, doesn't matter what level of, you know, D1, 2, 3 um, that you maybe can take into what you're doing now. Yeah, like now there are 20 rounds in the draft. When I was playing, there were 40. So I would say if I if I play well and I run hard if i if i hustle if i do all the things that i need to do i'm someone's gonna take a look at me i we happen to play well and we happen to get to the next round and the next round we happen to have other studs on our team and we played a lot of really good competition my coach is really well connected so you know he would make phone calls and say like i got this guy like i got this pitcher i got this catcher um you know like division one two three baseball is really interesting because you the clemson's and the university of texas and you know like your power five schools like they're going to have like the top baseball players in the country clearly like that obvious and the top top baseball players are going to get drafted out of high school and that's okay but then you look at like the best in d3 and the best in d2 and, and middle of the road d1 they're all relatively the same skill level you give them a seven game series and it's a toss-up it really is and it comes down to depth and pitching uh, and D2 usually has another guy or two in division one, usually has two or three guys in the bullpen, but my God, like I've seen hitters from all levels, from different countries, from different ages, and everybody can, everybody can play. Division three is like the Island of misfit toys. Now, like I would say, okay, if I play well and I don't go to this party or I don't study tonight and I go to the cage and I, and I hit and I just prepare my body and my mind and whatever, you know, I'm going to have an opportunity to just be prepared. I was very prepared, like my junior, senior year, when I started to figure it out um, because I knew I wanted to get drafted. Now with 20 rounds in the draft, there are less opportunities for a guy like me. But there are now 
more opportunities to play in Europe, more opportunities to play independent baseball. Um, you can play a little bit longer if you're going the independent baseball route than the minor league baseball route. And you can go have a great experience and not everyone's going to be making it to the major leagues. So I'd say now with less opportunity in, in minor league baseball, the opportunities for independent baseball and European baseball to increase your experience in the game, what the game can do for you. Okay, now we're looking at um, maybe even more opportunity now presented to guys because they're really good players that aren't going to have a place to play. And if you can present that to them, then they're going to take that chance. And baseball's been very good to me. I've been very lucky with the experiences I've been able to have and, um, and the connections that you make and the, the, the people you're able to meet. And, you know, because of playing with the Mets and starting more than baseball, I was able to be on Team Israel for the um, Olympics and um, was an alternate when they, when they went to Tokyo. But, you know, Ian Kinzo was in the locker next to me. And I got to be Ian Kinsler's teammate and his poster was hanging up on my wall when I was growing up. He was from Arizona and I was from Arizona and I wanted to be exactly like him. And um, so I'm very, even though I never made it to the major leagues, like I'm still very thankful for what the game has, has given me. So that's what I would tell a, a younger kid is just be grateful for, play well and, and play hard, but like be grateful for things that are presented to you. And don't be jealous of somebody just because they, are bigger or stronger or faster because you might have more fun. A, a friend of mine um, hit his first career home run at Fenway Park and uh, he only played 10 games in the big leagues and he said, my career is a failure. And I was like, that's bullshit. You made the major leagues. That's yeah. not a failure. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Perspective. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, um, like I said, I've had, I tell you before we recorded, I, I've had guys who haven't been drafted. COVID year uh, obviously was, I think I've had three or four guys on who could have been drafted, should have been drafted, and like would have been drafted, but COVID obviously kind of derailed that. Um, they were able to latch on to different teams, and like all three of them have just been like, excelling in, in the minors. Uh, so it doesn't matter where you're drafted or whether or not you were drafted. Um, it's just the, the grind that you put in um, to continue, you know, obviously improving your craft and all that. Um, this podcast is part of more than baseball recently. I'll see you. You're one of the co-founders. Um, you guys are doing great to improve the lives of minor leaguers, um, and former players even, um, uh, with the fair housing and wages. Um, so I like to kind of, I, I say this all the time, like fans of the game, we see the overall, like this player finally made it to the majors, but they don't see that seven, possibly three, four years, whatever it is of that grind to get to where they are. Uh, so I like to kind of shed a light on some of the players who um, who are in that in that fight and that grind to get to the majors. Um, obviously, you were in the minor leagues for a couple of years. Um, I always ask this. I don't know if you have any if you have a good answer or not. We'll see. Um, but what is maybe some of your funniest minor league stories of like where you think to yourself and you try to explain it to somebody and you're just like, that's just minor league. That's just the way it is. Playing what? for the Brooklyn Cyclones in twenty. 2017. It's not funny. I mean, I don't think there are any funny stories. Well, okay, maybe I'm sure funny heard, isn't. I'm sure. Yeah. The the saddest story is sure. that there was no pregame or postgame food for like two <laughs> weeks. So the impetus, the where how more than baseball started was because I started emailing and and calling um, beef jerky and peanut butter and snack companies. The owner of Kind Bars went to my alma mater. 
and I would call them and say, hey, we're professional baseball players. We'll post on social media, send us a box of food. Um, thank you so much. And we started getting tons of food. And that was the food that we would eat before games because there just wasn't food for us. I don't have any, they're, they're not funny to me. I've done this for four years now, like in this space, like a slices of cheese and bread and ketchup provided by a professional sports team after you, you know, played in front of 10,000 people that night, 5,000 people. That's not fun. Yeah. That's not, that's not funny. You know, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. That's the norm, but it is certainly not a funny story. I don't really have any funny stories. There is just down the line, just mistreatment. And, uh, and so to me, it's, it's funny looking back and what you put up with. Now you look back and you go, oh my God, like boiled hot dogs five days in a row. There's a reason why I got fat and sick and, <laughs> yeah. and was nervous and stressed and anxious. And because the environment itself is not conducive to your performance and development, it's just not designed that way. And so some people, us, you know, the fans, the, the donors, the other players, the people who talk to minor leaguers, like all play an important role in showcasing this is not right. And this is how easy it is to fix it. It's so, it's so easy. And we've proven that because by, more than baseball is a successful organization kind of fighting back against this. No, for sure. And maybe maybe funny isn't the, the exact word, but maybe um, just stories that like, I got, like I've had guys who talk about bus rides and um, hotels just having no reservations when they get there and um, oh, yeah. in- interesting fan interactions. That's kind of where, where I was kind of going with that. But I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Like to maybe uh, you, it wouldn't be as funny, but um, just <laughs> those going through it, you kind of looking back, maybe they kind of laugh. Like I don't, like you said, I don't know how I put up with all of that for so long. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. Right. Though, like because of a rule, Fair, Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938, yeah. we're in this position. You know, and no one's on Capitol Hill. I mean, people have promoted bills, but, you know, Major League Baseball fights back. Yeah. And they're going to win every time. And until, you know, more than baseball's done the most of, of, of any organization that's just decided to kind of take this up. I mean, there's some organizations that uh, are, are publicly vocal about these issues, but, I mean, we're the only ones where somebody can come to our website and get it discount on equipment, discount on food and seeking asylum to help their, their family. Like these are things that if teams aren't gonna do it, then someone's gotta do it. And more than baseball has just said, like, we're gonna do it. Everything else is, is, is to me, it's, um, it's moot because the tides are not gonna change just because you're screaming from the rooftops. You have to, you have to there's action that needs to be, be taken. And so I'm happy that we're the ones that, that are doing it. No, for sure, absolutely. Um, so you you ended baseball your career. Um, how did you get in contact with Simon and Slade, and how did this whole thing go from an yeah. idea to actually what it is now, which is an amazing organization? So I get I get released in um, 2017. In October, I had back surgery September 1st of 2017, um, and I get released like October 15th. I can't even get out of bed to pick up my phone to get the call 
And I'm like, okay, I'm released. Now what? And they're like, well, you're on your own. And I'm like, okay, thanks for the time. Uh, so I, I tried to build a resume. I, I didn't know how. I didn't know how to leverage my time in professional baseball. I, I didn't know how to leverage connections I had made. I didn't know how to find a job. I didn't know if, and I was lucky to be 24 and not 28 or 29 or 30 or 32 with nothing to show for anything. So when I, I, I finally found a job with like an alumni of, of my school, I moved back to Texas just so I could Get this job. I was running a gym, uh, like an athletic training center for kids. And I thought, you know, like a good place to learn sales, a good place to start my career, a good place to just be around sports still. Um, I thought I could still play somewhere somehow. And lucky enough, like two years later, I, I got on with Team Israel. And so I'm lucky I had a batting cage and had a gym yeah, to, sure. to, to work at. And um, in March of 2018, this gigantic spending bill was thrown in at the last second, the Save America's Pastime Act, which really enacts the minor league baseball players are so not subject to overtime or minimum wage. And I was just so fed up. I was like, just another, like, this is bullshit. Like my friends need help. The teams aren't going to provide it. So someone's got to do it. So I, I made the Twitter more than baseball. I started building the website more than baseball. I started making these little videos and um, these little PDFs and just about the information that I could put together about the issues within minor league baseball and going through Twitter and seeing baseball Twitter being very angry about another thing that minor leaguers have to go through. I got in touch with Slade Heathcott, who was still playing at the time. And Slade said, uh, you know, I'm still playing. I'm really angry, but I'll call you when I'm done playing. And we stayed in touch a little bit. And about six months later, he's like, so I ran my mouth a little bit and uh, the A's released me and I, uh, I'm ready to jump into this full time. And over that time, we got in touch with Garrett Brushhouse, who was the part of the lawsuit, but former minor leaguer, became a lawyer, part of the lawsuit um, with Aaron Senny, um, was just jumping into it then. Uh, we got in touch with um, Bill Fletcher and, and other um, um, political activists and and uh, we were introduced to Simon and Simon was like, yeah, I'm a current player and uh, I really want to be part of this. And, I, and I, I have the background and my dad, you know, did this, you know, uh, you know organizing growing up and uh, I'm really eager. And so it was me, Simon and Slade. And we just started texting about it. And we're like editing the website and we're starting to put together social media. And very early on, we had an event. We had some minor leaguers that just said, I need help. And we started, if you go to our website, you see these resources and you see these tools and you see that we're building this community. And Slade's really well connected with major league baseball players. He was a first round pick. He played for the Yankees. He can make a phone call and get, um, you know, a major leaguer to, to donate and to participate and to wear our shirt and to post on social media. And okay, so now we're thinking about baseball at that time. And this is 2019, early into 2020, as we were kind of growing and um, we, we had to make sure that everything was in place in case like 3000 players signed up for more than baseball and then COVID hits and everyone's sent home and everyone's like, where can I get resources? And all of baseball Twitter said, go to more than baseball. And so from 2018 to March of 2020, we were literally preparing for a COVID like event to bring people to more than baseball. We were doing it one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, 
send this to your friends and help your friends with this. Um, Adam Wainwright gives $250,000. Daniel Murphy gives $100,000. Um, Major League Baseball Players Trust gives $500,000. Uh, since 2018, we've actually raised close to $2 million. We have a really incredible board of directors. We have a really incredible community. We have people who just are passionate about the game who are, are doing their best to just help showcase players and help support athletes because the game needs that. And a, and a 24-year-old Dominican uh, minor leaguer who has been away from his family for seven years needs your help. And that'll never be showcased on any news outlet, but he knows that he can come to more than baseball and he can get something that helps him and his family or helps him stay in the country. And so I think we've done an incredible job showcasing to if you've heard of more than baseball, you know that we do our best to support as many players as we can. And, you know, when the teams are not willing to do that, if someone has to do that. And so me, me Slate, Simon, Jonathan Perrin, uh, Logan Fox, Mylissa Lowry, Mary Ullman Jaffet, like Javier Vasquez and Chris Dickerson. And we have this incredible community of people dedicated. Uh, Jen Ritchie is another one. Um, Noah Aga and, and Chris McLeod, like researchers diving into these issues about how easy it is to change these problems. Like it, it just, it makes me think back on literally four years of doing this. Um, the, the, if you were to tell me like the impact that we would have had it would be this great, I would not, would not have believed you. And um, we have 3000 players in the organization and um, we've raised a ton of money and we're doing work that Major League Baseball is unwilling to do. When you said you have players in the organization, what does that necessarily mean that you have you have 3,000 players in your organization? They're in the newsletter. They get a monthly update from us. They're in the text message chain. They're, um, they're working with, you know, they're at, um, from Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, or Cuba. And they're speaking with Simon on, on things to help their ball players. If um, they're American, they're working with us to, to go back to college or to get into school and you know, for the Latin guys, it's like, we help teach you English. Can we, do we need to help you seek asylum? Do we need to help you find a job? Like, how can we get you to stay in the country? And so we've helped um, five players seek asylum, stay in the States. We've helped uh, a handful of others find work, about 25 players in total find jobs. We've um, helped guys in every walk of life to help them and their families. And Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Um, so what are a few things that More Than Baseball is doing to improve the lives of the minor leaguers? Um, obviously, you said you guys are raising money. And during COVID, you guys were able to help with that. Um, but what are some of the benefits um, that or some of the, the programs that you guys have? Obviously, you just kind of spoke about the the schooling and, and lawyers that needed. But like, what else are you guys doing to, to help the lives of minor leaguers? And why would they or should they be encouraged to, you know, join more than baseball yeah if you go to more than baseball.org you see a handful of programs that we have so um housing and food and equipment um, career services financial guidance mm -hmm. mental health coaching um, resources that as a player you go my god like i can't afford bats like who can help me mm -hmm. we have partnerships with companies that can help us distribute bats or you know my glove broke and i don't want to go to dicks and buy a cheap kids glove for 100 like is there anything you can do to help me yeah, we have discounts on on food in some instances we can give a, a grant or a stipend for um, grocery reimbursements if we if we're running a program like that or um for in 2020 we ran a um 
a grant program. And players who needed our assistance signed up for a grant and received a grant. You'd be shocked. Like the numbers are staggering. We have some of the, that data on our website. Um, the amount of players that are just impoverished uh, is, is the best word to, to use. And, you know, some, nobody who's listening now is, is against supporting minor league baseball right. players and, and paying them more and treating them fairly. But um, you have a conversation with someone who disagrees and they say, well, boo hoo, they're a professional baseball player. They can go do something else. Right. At the end of the day, it's not, it's not about that. It's people are making money, mm -hmm. lots and lots of money. And the reason why minor leaguers aren't being paid fairly is because um, legally the, the teams don't have to, to treat them any better. And, um, and so we, we, we don't scream from the rooftops about the changes that Major League Baseball should make. Uh, we have implemented the changes that should be happening in more than baseball. And, and I think that's why the tides have started to change is because we've been able to say, number one, it's very easy to do. Mm -hmm. Providing a, a program like a career services program is very easy to do. And because the the, the players association and because major league baseball is unwilling to support minor leaguers in that way. Like someone's got to do it. The other side of that is uh, minor league baseball players are uh, in and out of the game. So, so quickly that they need more immediate resources than what's, what's provided for them. There's an, there's an organization that major league baseball runs called baseball assistance team. And the reason why more the baseball starters because baseball assistance team did not provide any support to me. I didn't play long enough. What is the so minimum to, to get the assistance for them? It's any major league service and four years of minor league service. And I played two and a half, two, I played 18 months of minor league baseball. And I needed a lawyer. No one was able to help me. No, they, they said, I wrote a, an email. I need your help accessing A, B, and C. They said, no, we don't do that. And so I built more than baseball. I mean... Um, what are some of the common questions that maybe minor leaguers come to you guys about, or not just maybe not questions, but also concerns that they come to you with? Um, can you help me access more affordable housing? And that was before major league baseball mandated that housing be available for minor leaguers. And that's a really huge step forward. And major league baseball said, look how easy it is for us to prepare housing for them. Look at the benefits that's going to come for it. Look at all of the, um, issues that are just going to go away. Uh, there is some there is some outstanding problems that are happening because of that. Um, there are some illegalities of their rules and what they're forcing minor leaguers into. However, I will say all in all, like them providing housing is a really big step forward. Housing is not an issue. I mean, there were issues where a guy would be moved up, paying rent at a place where he was, paying rent at a place where he was going, uh, and then gets released, and now he's paying for two rents. Yep. The teams won't cover that. Yeah, or if they get, like you said, they get moved up and now they're scrambling because most yeah. guys on that, that team that they're on yeah. already have roommates, already have, you know, their housing situation all set up. So the whole, you know, I know guys that were eight to an apartment and sleeping on air mattresses in kitchens. That, thank goodness, like, that's gone, right? Does that mean all of the, the issues in minor league baseball are, are gone? Absolutely not, but it's a start, right? So guys are now coming to us saying like, help me transition out of playing. Help me find a job in the off season. Help me find a resource that can help me. Do you have independent mental health coaching? I don't like, nor do I trust 
the mental health coach that's right with their organization provided for me. So a lot of the time it's, we, we take it case by case. A guy can go to our website and, and basically write us an email and say like, Hey, I'm looking for this, or they can go onto our website and directly can get connected to someone who can support them in financial guidance or in the mental health coaching or in whatever it might be. That's incredibly important because it builds a, a foundation and a, a backbone of, okay, well, I'm not playing anymore, but I know something is out there to assist me. And we're, we're lucky and fortunate, but also we've done a lot of really good and really spent lots of hours and lots of hard work on um, ensuring that guys will trust us. And trust is a really big thing that we had to earn back in 2020. Yeah, and you mentioned the bats and how I don't think people quite understand that minor, minor leaguers don't get their own or they they have to provide their own equipment. Um, and I've had guys who've told me that you know the kids are yelling at them, "Hey, can I have your bat? Can I have your glove?" And they're like, "No, this is the only one I have. <laughs> you know, I can't just give my my glove away or I can't give my bat away. And if I break my bat, then I gotta uh, buy my own bats and." That, that that it always kind of cracks me up when I hear these kids like when I go to games and I hear them you know can I have your bat I'm like oh man they don't even know <laughs> like they can't give their bats away. Well, we say like famously, players are unwilling to swing at inside pitches because they don't want to break their bat. Yep. And if you're a pitcher and you know that, you're gonna pitch inside. Because he's he's to your advantage. You go. He's not. Uh, it's very little stuff. It's like it's it's so easy to fix. It's just Major League Baseball unwilling to do that. It's just like another black eye on the game. And there are too many to count. I'm so sick of kind of where the game is right now that I'm trying to do what I can to, you know, do my part to 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 assist and to assist the players. And but like, like, No, I get that. It's, and that. it's gotten better, but it's, it's not a good stuff. Yeah, and like I understand completely. And like I said, this is my podcast. My phone's ringing. And like I said, in my podcast, like I have minor leaguers come here all the time. Like it doesn't matter to me where they're drafted or if they're drafted at all. I like to give them an opportunity to share their story and let their story be known. Um, I have like on my Twitter bio, like uh, unofficial hype man for the minor leaguers. Cause like my, <laughs> like I love just being able, and like when I, when people that I have, like I'll go watch them play. Um, Cause I have two teams kind of somewhat nearby where I live. Um, so I'll watch guys that I've had on the podcast, watch them pitch in person. I'll repost their, like, their, if they have a good game, I'll, you know, I'll blast that out, shout them out, you know, give them all the credit uh, that they deserve, hype them up a little bit. Um, so that's kind of where my role is here. Cause like, I never was a player, but like, I love these stories of guys who just absolute grind and grind their way to the majors. Or if they don't even make it there, they still had a successful career. Um, whether or not that they were they were a pro ball when so many people can't say they ever played professional baseball. Yeah. Well, they they're they need to everybody who makes it to professional baseball needs to say like my career was a success. Guys won't say that though. Don't say my career was a failure. You know, when you're the only one out of your high school to make it to play for the Pittsburgh Pirates, like that's successful. Anybody who was on your team would say, I all I want to do is play for the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? So you're you're there already needs to be a shift in perspective about being in minor okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is, say you think you're a failure and then you play four years and you're in double A or in triple A or you're still in single A and you get released. And now you have nothing to show on your resume. 
four vacant years. You go, I've never prepared myself for being out of baseball. It's all I've done for through college and high school and four years in the pros or six or eight or 10. What do I do now? Who, who am I without baseball? That's their identity. It, it's there. It's, it, it's exactly right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult transitioning out of playing professional sports is very difficult. There are so many leadership coaches and experts on this and things you can do now, but it just comes down to being understanding while you're playing, what are my interests outside of playing? And I'm allowed to start a business when I'm not playing. It's never hurt anybody starting a business outside of playing, but the teams don't want you to do it because they want hundred percent of your focus on playing. And that's, that's bullshit. And there's so many things that the team is telling you, but things that you need to know separately. And so I think, I think it more than baseball, like what we try to do is just set an example, say you can, if you love gaming, start a Twitch, be unique and be different. If you love clothing, start a clothing company, be unique and be different and leverage the fact that you're a professional baseball player because you won't be a professional baseball player forever. And as long as somebody knows that, and they're going to be better off because now they can say professional baseball player made a hundred thousand dollars selling clothing and t-shirts started a twitch channel fifty thousand followers on instagram all of this sometimes superfluous stuff but then you find a job and or you're looking for for actual employment and they say what is your experience well i did a b and c while i was a professional baseball player and that's better than saying i was a professional baseball player yeah, no, I'm all for players, um, especially my, like, uh, you know, either starting podcasts or Twitch uh, gaming on uh, like I, I actually play games with a couple of different minor leaguers um, and like there's a lot of them who game or or they golf, you know, um, and I'm all for that. Um, I know we're kind of running out of time here. Let me let's end on this. Uh, what would you say to maybe uh, someone who is not a player, uh, a fan of the game who wants to uh, do more to kind of aid? Uh, minor leaguers, uh, how would you direct them to kind of help you guys out as you help them out? I think you're a fan of baseball. Go to morethanbaseball.org and see where what makes sense for you. We have so many different opportunities for people to participate. Wear a shirt. Mm-hmm. We partnered with, uh, we have our own shop. It's just got sort of cool little stuff that, that somebody can wear around the house or to work or uh, golfing. We have a partnership with RotoWare. We're building a partnership with Obvious Shirts. We're going to have a partnership with Baseballism. Like, showcase the fact that what you're doing is supporting the next generation of ball players, is supporting this generation of ball players. It's not about, you know, um, RotoWare shirt says uh, minor leaguers deserve major raises. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about, to me anymore, putting pressure on Major League Baseball. It's not. Major League Baseball is going to be Major League Baseball. It's not about, um, you know, yelling about changes that need to be made. It's about actually and tangibly affecting the day-to-day life of somebody who needs your support. And so with $10 to more than baseball, like, can feed a player for a night. Mm -hmm. And if we raise $1,000, we can do something really cool for um, a community and we can host a camp and we can hire minor leaguers and we can do all of these different things. Um, at the end of the day, you know, any fan 
who loves the game of baseball can come to More Than Baseball and um, do something to further the impact that the game can have. We did a really cool program called MTV Kicks. And we partnered with 50 major leaguers and we bought the shoes and we partnered with Stadium Custom Kicks, who's run by a current minor leaguer. And him and a, a big leaguer would design the cleats and then he would wear it and then he would put it on social media and then we would auction it off. And we raised $50,000 doing that. Um, I, that's a really wonderful thing. And those cleats are still available. We have about 10 pairs that you can go on. Um, he had it on MLB auctions and there's gonna be some other sites that we're gonna put it on, but that's really cool. It's really special to be able to partner with people and say like, this game-worn, one-of-one custom thing, you can have it in your house. Um, uh, Ken Rosenthal partnered with us for the World Series, talked about us in the pregame show. Yeah, I saw that. And then uh, Gordon Edis, another baseball writer, won a raffle. And now Gordon has those shoes that Ken designed and wore during the World Series. That's awesome. I mean, if we were screaming and yelling and fighting and suing, nobody would take it seriously. But we're creative and we're talking about baseball in these ways that the game deserves to be talked about and we're actually doing something about the issues for sure well hey i i want to thank you for coming on and there's so much more we could talk about um like I, we can talk about this for hours like where the game is where it could be what you guys are doing to help out you know the state of baseball as it is but i i do want to thank you for taking you know some time out of your day to come on and talk about this there you go, man. I, I appreciate it. What you're doing is uh, is important, and it's nice to have uh, you and your voice and, and on as part of uh, a community supporting minor league baseball players. I think it's really powerful. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.